Well, it's a shame you're not on video. You would see my Stein collection behind me there. Got a nice, uh, nice little collection there. Ah, stereotypes for the win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, Brian. I thought you were better than that. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Conf T with URSE, recorded Tuesday, April 21st, 2020. A quick reminder that the thoughts and opinions expressed here are our own, and to please consult with Cisco TAC or Cisco Certified Partners before implementing any of the recommendations made on this show. I am your host, Brian Young, and I'm here with my amiable co-host, Brian Boyd. How you doing, Mr. Boyd? Doing well. Great adjective, Brian. How are you doing? Well, I... Ah, hanging in there, hanging in there. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think we're all in the same boat, right? With uh, kind of being stuck at home or or trying to figure out the, a new new normal to what yep. we have to do day to day. I don't even uh, know what day of the week it is. Yeah, yeah. I I made the comment. Uh, I was like, yeah, you can reach out to us twenty four hours a day, five thousand days a week. It's it's it just doesn't stop. It doesn't seem to end. The days bleed into each other, and yeah, but. We're, uh, we're getting by, um, and of course, we hope that you, the listener, are as well. Uh, we hope that this is giving you some sort of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, is this, is this therapeutic maybe? Brian, can we, can we count it as that? I, I don't know. Uh, listening to you actually makes my heart rate go up, so more stress, <laughs> so I would say no. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, enough about us. Um, we had the great opportunity to talk with Ralph Schmieder. We discussed... Cisco Modeling Labs, which is the new name for what has been previously known as Viral. We like to refer to it as the product uh, formerly known as (laughs) Viral. Um, If you've never gotten a chance to play with a Viral, um, it it falls into the category of network simulators comparable to the GNS3s, EVNGs, um, uh, and there's a lot of other players out in that market. And of course, the nice thing about the Cisco Modeling Labs is, of course, all of your Cisco uh, images and everything is already bundled in. So you don't have to worry about trying to grab an image that you don't have rights to and stuff like that. There's always a lot of that going around when you're looking at the third-party stuff. With this, it's all wrapped up nicely. Um, but without going into too much uh, more detail, without uh, giving Ralph his opportunity, let's go to the interview. Hello, Ralph. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the the show. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing very well, and thanks for having me. Really excited to be here today. Well, it's really our pleasure. Um, Ralph, why don't you uh, give our audience here an introduction? Tell us a little bit about you yourself and uh, who you are and what you do at Cisco. <laughs> okay. So, hold on back. <laughs> do I have to go? <laughs> <laughs> So um, I would consider myself like a veteran in the sense of that how long I have been with Cisco for. Uh, I think next year it's going to be 20 years, and um, I've done wow. like pretty much everything in <laughs> uh, <laughs> the kitchen thing, uh, kitchen sink. Um, so I started in sales uh, at Cisco, selling to customers of all sizes. And then uh, when I got you know, fed up with sales, I'm not sure if I can say this, but eventually I... <laughs> I, I changed uh, to the dark side of things. So I went into a BU as a TME. So I worked for you know, two years or something as a TME for access security and, uh, you know, iOS uh, first top security, these kind of things. Uh, 
and then went into DevNet, did quite a bit of stuff with uh, network device programmability, NetConf, RESTConf, these kind of things. And while doing so, I was introduced to a guy called Joel Obstfeld, and um, Joel was doing something very interesting that, that you know, hit a nerve with me that was called network simulation. And uh, funny enough, when I started my quote-unquote career, um, when I came from university, I, I started with traffic simulation. So, and and mm. I did simulation uh, applications back then, and we were not moving packets through networks with nodes and edges. We were actually moving cars <laughs> through networks where the, the edges were road segments, right? So, mm. uh, so I came full circle, basically. Um, yeah, and so when when I... Uh, was introduced to this thing, network simulation. That was really kind of very interesting, uh, you know, hodgepodge of different technologies that I'm uh, enthusiastic or that, that really enjoy, uh, where, where I really enjoy working with these, you know, like virtualization, network operating systems, automation things, Linux, uh, hyper, uh, you know, VMware, and all of these kind of things. There's like the perfect mix of all of these things. So I made that a day job, and um, yeah, in the last couple of years, I um, was basically busy with creating the next generation network simulation platform, which just has been released two days ago as the Cisco Modeling Labs Enterprise version. Um, yeah, and that's uh, something that that's quite exciting. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you guys have been working hard on it. Um, now, this particular iteration, uh, how long has uh, has development been going on for that? Hmm. I think we started in 2017 with it. Um, so that was basically maybe half a year, maybe a year or so when when I came on board with the, the previous uh, viral version. Um, and so... We we had a lot of interactions with customers. We had a lot of interactions with internal folks, and um, and also obviously knew pretty well, you know, what the product can do and what it cannot do. And at some point in time, there were three guys um, who sat together and said, "Okay, so we, we, what would we do if we can restart this thing from scratch? Like, what we what would we do different? What would we what would we build?" Um, and we had, you know, it's not necessarily like a napkin, but it was something very similar where we had like a, a, a sketch of a few boxes and a few arrows between the boxes. And it pretty well, it pretty soon became very clear that we want to have something that is nowadays, or maybe even the back then, it was, it was named like this API first kind of thing. So we, mm-hmm. we said, okay, we want to build something where the API is the first thing that we, you know, conceive or invent or design um and then everything should be built on top of that set of apis and uh, it should be modular and it should be serving different use cases or different purposes um and that was the sketch that i was talking about and and that became basically the yeah the blueprint uh or a very simplified blueprint of the architecture that that we've built and um so my partner in crime, um, and he's in Australia, so that makes it incredibly difficult <laughs> to get on a call um, where you have like, you know, the U.S. Uh, East Coast is kind of okay, but if you have someone on the West Coast and Australia and then Europe and, and all that, you know, 
that makes it very difficult. But but Simon and I, we were working on this for, I would say, for a year and a half, uh, uh, almost in in isolation, I would say, and, and we cranked out a lot of stuff and we uh, we did a lot of the product, um, you know, uh, between the two of us and and then at some point, okay, we we presented this to uh, some other guys and said, okay, so this is this is something that that we've done. This is something where we think it should be going. And uh, yeah, and then we eventually got the green light and said, yeah, this is something that we can use to replace the current implementation. Um, and, and you know, internally, uh, when we started this, uh, the product name or the project name, I should say, the project name was Simple. And there's still a lot of references in the product uh, that say simple. And uh, so the reason why it was called simple was really we, we wanted it to be simple. We wanted it to be much less complex, much easier to install, much faster to install, much easier to use and more accessible. But at the same time, powerful and scalable. And and, and I think that, you know, for most of these criteria that are just named, we we you know, we got a long way. So um, most of these things have been uh, achieved. Um, and we're not saying that we are like perfect or we're not saying that this thing for the 2.0 release is, um, yeah, you know, done, done. It's just the beginning, I would say, because we have so many ideas of, of things that can still be added. And, you know, by discussing with the internal user community or with, you know, people at Cisco Live or, uh, DevNet universities or like even on Twitter or like on, on social media, we get so much ideas and um, things where we know, okay, so this needs to be improved or we want to make this better or we want to add this over here uh, that, you know, 2.0 is, is the first release, but certainly not the last one. Right. It, it seems to me just based on what I've seen of CML and uh, what you're talking about here in terms of how it was really built from the ground up with uh, with a new blueprint, a new foundation, building everything on APIs. Um, I mean, it seems like that's exactly what you've done because you've you've knocked down the 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 house and the foundation and and kind of started from scratch here, which has allowed you to to be able to do more things down the road to, as you said, make two dot one, two dot two, and all the the future releases that much stronger and better. Uh, it seems, at least today, with a with a maybe a an exception of a few features, uh, CML uh, Enterprise Edition or, or Viral Two, whatever you want to call it, um, is really from a feature parity standpoint very close to being on par with what we could do in in Viral. Um, but of course, very different UI, much easier setup. As I was talking uh, to you about before we started recording here. Uh, set up time for me from start to finish uh, licensed and, and starting to drag routers and, and program them was five to 10 minutes on my, on my setup. So uh, it seems like you guys have, uh, have really nailed this one. Yeah. Thank you. I, I mean, the, the, the deal really was that we listened a lot. We talked a lot and, and you have to have a certain, you know, it's kind of important to understand what, the customers, what our users actually want to do. It's kind of important to understand the network context. It's important to understand that API context and also have, um, you know, like some 
feel for, let's say, usability. And, and a lot of that actually came through discussions with other people um, where we said, okay, we, we clearly hear that we need to have a, a web interface. We clearly hear that we need to uh, make better use of the resources that people have because not everyone has a UCS system with one terabyte of memory and 256 or whatever number of CPU cores you know, might go into one chassis or something. So people right. have laptops, people have, you know, small computers uh, that that they can use to do some sort of learning and studying, uh, but they are not necessarily the same people who are running, uh, let's say, big enterprise or big service provider, backbone router kind of devices, which, you know, like sometimes use more memory for a single device than the user has in his laptop as a whole, like in the hardware of where he runs the network simulation. But, it, right. you know, we also wanted to um, address these two different ends of the stick, if you will, um, by having the architecture scaling to the requirement of that user so that, that we can cater for that person who is a student or, uh, you know, like a network academy person um, who would typically... Uh, not have more than eight or maybe 16 gigs of memory in a laptop. And that would be plenty in that particular case, I guess. Um, but yeah, as I said, also for a service provider who wants to have like a backbone representation of, of their uh, P devices in, in, their, in their network, right? And, and test and simulate and do something there, that should also be possible. And, uh, and, and yeah, so that's that's kind of the design goal or one of the goals that we had in mind when, when doing this. So we wanted to be, you know, more modern. We wanted to be simple. We wanted to be API driven. We wanted to fit into this CICD market where you have a lot of companies and uh, individuals go to where they say, okay, we want to be programmatic. We want to do automation. We want to interface with different systems. And all of that, whenever you say something like this, the next uh, acronym that comes into play is API. And what better to do than to have a strong API in, built into your product and that allows you to interface with all these other things because that's that's where the industry is going to, you know, machines talking to other machines using APIs. Ralph, um, for those that are not familiar with viral CML and, and network simulation in general, can you kind of give us just a rough overview of of those various pieces here, just for those that are not familiar? Sure. Um, so Viral CML um, is basically a network simulation platform. And when I say network simulation platform, it, it doesn't, it, it's it's not that much different from what you do with, let's say, VMware Workstation or more, even like, you know, ESXi or vSphere or Hyper-V or some other product that allows you to spin up virtual machines and to run some sort of an operating system inside of a other a, another thing, right? But in our mm -hmm. specific case, we are spinning up VMs, we are spinning up nodes, as we call them, but they are typically, you know, specific or typically running specific network operating systems. And we refer to those network operating systems, at least if, when they come from Cisco, we refer to them as reference platforms, um, and these reference platforms, they are basically built by the BUs. So that's an important distinction to make, right? So we, as the viral CML team, we built the platform, but we do not build those routers and switches and reference platforms, as I said, that go into the product. We build basically the device, uh, but the, the thing, or like, you know, if I compared it quite a lot to, 
uh, things like a a tape recorder for those who can remember what this is. Um, I get, <laughs> <laughs> we we built the tape recorder, but you know you bring the tapes to play within that tape recorder, um, and uh, kind of like a my- hypervisor. It is. It, it in fact it is, and um, yeah. we give you a few tapes, right? So like we have the, the Cisco tapes, if you will, that 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 are shipping with the product, or uh, yeah, and uh, but you can also you know make your own mixtape or whatever your own tape that that you put into the tape recorder um, and um, you know have your party going. Um, <laughs> so, party like but, it's nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, I'm that old. Um, <laughs> um, but but that's that's the thing, right? So um, we provide this kind of um, network simulation platform, which is a lot like ESXi. You you define things, uh, you define how they are connected to each other, and we give you a GUI that allows you to do this with a network centric approach, right? And mm-hmm. then we give you the instrumentation. Uh, to interact with such a network. So basic, you know, one example would be, for example, we have uh, a built-in console uh, view where you can access the serial console of such a device because a lot of these devices, um, if not, yeah, maybe not all, but but quite a few of them, they they are still having a a command line interface and uh, where you you have a serial console that you need to, do some you know initial, initial configuration or, or sometimes like even the complete configuration of the device. Or mm-hmm. another example would be we have a built-in packet capture facility, uh, and and that is something um, that I'm uh, you know super excited about, which is uh, almost done. Well, like actually it is done. There's a for the two point one release, um, and and that allows you to basically have Wireshark in your browser, so you can. Uh, uh, look at the packet. You can decode the packet. You can drill down into the individual things, uh, um, and um, you know, filter for specific things. Everything done in the browser. No software to install. Um, and a, a very basic version is already in the product with 2.0, but that is just giving you a, a textual representation of the packet. But you cannot search, for example, or you cannot download the PCAP. Um, but that is something that we have greatly improved for the 2.1 release. And I think that feature alone would justify to release 2.1. If, if we wouldn't build anything else in addition, that feature alone is, is really a killer. Um, and that, that is you know, exactly one of those features we, where we built a network simulation platform that gives you some tooling that you can use right away as a student, as a learner, as you know, some uh, readily available instrument that you can use while playing with a network that runs inside of your laptop without even using a more powerful tool like Wireshark in this particular example. And that's also something that that was our plan from the get-go, that we want to provide different ways to achieve the same thing depending on where you are in your career, where you are with your study, right? So let's say if you if you are just learning about networks and learning that there's a console and learning that you have a CLI that you interact with, you know, you don't probably need a secure CRT or some powerful multi-tabbed whatever terminal client or something. You probably are just okay by opening this thing up in the browser, clicking on the console, you know, interacting with the thing there. But then if you advanced um, and uh, you say, okay, so I'm, I'm, you know, I want to have access to multiple devices. Then we want to have 
or we wanted to have different ways to achieve that very same thing. So we have the ability now to SSH into some kind of a terminal server into the product and to select the console that you want to go to. Or we have another thing that is called a breakout utility, which also gives you the ability to use your native tooling to access these consoles if you want to. But you're you're not forced to do it this way or the other way. Um, it's It's really up to you what kind of way you choose and which is the right way for you. And, and you know, consoles is one example. Packet capture is another example. And we have quite a few more ideas, whether it comes to you know, remote access or kind of VPN in quotes in a way uh, without establishing a full VPN, external connectivity, all of these things. We wanted to have them simple because we have heard so many times that they were too complex in VAR1. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But we didn't want to go exclusive, exclusively uh, for a simple, we wanted to have it simple to begin with, but also advanced if you want to. Right. Which is, I think, Cisco's motto, right? I mean, that's that's kind of how the company operates in terms of what we what we manufacture, what we have, right? The the switches that we sell, are they going to are they going to work in a in a small Soho environment? Absolutely. Are they going to work in enterprise environments with thousands of users? Absolutely. It's just having that having that ability to to scale up and down. And of course, in this instance, when we're talking about basically a, a networking sandbox that can exist either, like in my case, on a, on a UCS 240 with uh, 64 gigs of memory and eight, eight CPU cores, or uh, someone who's a student running on their MacBook Pro in VMware, uh, VMware Workstation or VMware Player, that having that ability to do both and to be able to service the needs of those users, I think is a uh, it, it, it sounds like it was a difficult uh, difficult target to hit, but it seems and it sounds like you guys definitely hit it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, I mean, as I said before, it's 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 by far not finished, right? And and you brought up before, you know, is this now going to replace CML like in its entirety? And, and no, with 2.0, we cannot because one of the critical things that a lot of enterprise customers um are relying on is the ability to really scale high, right? Like to really uh, leverage basically uh, clustering where you have the ability to uh, combine multiple physical machines into one big physical machine and the software then distributes network devices into these different compute devices and views it as a single big box right and that is something that we don't have right now um but i have to say that you know when talking about architecture this was something that simon uh being the like the the architect behind the entire thing has had in mind like from the get-go so it is not that we that that we started doing this thing oh let's do this thing on one single machine and um and then oh wait we, we probably need to have multiple machines, but wait, we need to go back to square one because we haven't had that in mind. So we need to design the entire thing you know, to, to enable us to do clustering. No, right now, what we have is a, is a single uh, machine. We deploy this as an OVA, um, but that single machine is basically a cluster of one. So the architecture is layered where you have a controller that sits on top of everything and the controller goes through several layers and eventually talks to the hardware layer, to the virtualization layer, to spin up individual VMs. But while doing so, 
it it already has all the instrumentation and all the different abstractions in there to allow the controller to technically talk to multiple of these compute things. Um, but it's at this point in time, it's a controller, um, a cluster of one, right? Um, but uh, again, we, we've made quite some progress in the last couple of uh, weeks, I would say, because the the development from the technical side of things for 2.0 was basically done beginning of this year. So uh, when we were in, in Barcelona for Cisco Live this year in, in February, we uh, we had already like the whatever RC2 or RC3 built. And that mm-hmm. from from the naming change, you know, it still was called Vowel at that point in time. Uh, so we had to do some some tweaks and uh, changes to accommodate the the name um, or the name change. Um, but otherwise, the entire product was already engineering complete in January, like late January. In January, so like in between uh, then and now, we were already. You know, building 2.1, as I said, and, and you know, quite a few things have come along pretty well, um, and, and clustering being one of them, where we invested a lot of uh, work recently, um, and, and that's coming along very well. So we are hoping that we at least have something for 2.1 that is like in an alpha state where we can have you know some folks to to test drive it. So it's probably not in a state where we say, okay, this is you know all done and you know can be released, etc., for the general consumption. But at least we we will have something that we can uh, have people test drive it and, and you know see where the rough edges are, um, and yeah. So so a lot of work has been done in between then and and now already for the next release. What are some of the differences between two point and one point I mean, I, I see it referred to as enterprise. Uh, so so what does that mean? Uh, so th- th- those are two different things, right? So mm-hmm. in one um, there was also a differentiation between enterprise and personal, same as okay. with 2.0. So that's that's not going to change. It's exactly the same thing from that point of view. So we always had a a personal edition uh, that was sold uh, using uh, a credit card. So that was not on the global price list. Uh, you know, customers had to buy this with a credit card if they wanted it, and um, it was limited to uh, or is limited to twenty nodes, twenty Cisco nodes that can be run at the same time in the product um, and it didn't come with support and it also didn't come with the ability to increase that node count. So it was 20 and 20, right? So not more, not less. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to have 40, there was no way with a personal edition that you can get 40 or 50 or whatever. So like 20, that's it. Um, it it doesn't have support. So you cannot you know, pick up the phone and can call TAC and shout at them if something doesn't work. Um, Brian used to work for TAC. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not sure how much shouting you were <laughs> exposed to. but <laughs> About what you expect. I um, feel that's important to note here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think those were the most important differentiators there. Um, officially, clustering was not supported on, on, two dot, uh, on one dot. 1.x in the personal edition. Um, but technically, they were pretty much the same. So a few minor things that were not, they were kind of prohibited or like, you know, disabled in the commercial, uh, in the personal edition versus the uh, enterprise edition in 1.x. Um, 
from a from a technical point of view, what has changed from 1.x to 2.0 is, as I said before, the entire thing has been rewritten from scratch. 1.x was using OpenStack as a foundation, as a technology uh, underneath. And then on top of that, there was uh, some, some custom-built middleware to orchestrate virtual machines in OpenStack and to do the network-specific plumbing in between. Um, or the, the more network simulation specific, I should say, because OpenStack can for sure do, uh, for sure do networking. Um, and then on top of that was a tool called VM Maestro, which is a Java or a, a, an application written in Java using an Eclipse framework. And, um, you know, one of the feedback or a lot of the feedback that we got from customers was that that was a bit stale. It was a bit mm. clunky to install and use you had to install a, a large piece of software on your on your computer to get that application running it had to be pointed back to the to the controller it had to use a lot of different ports and um and obviously it was stale like you know from a look and feel point of view uh from a ux point of view how it's being used uh it, there were you know things like uh which a lot of people had problems to wrap their head around where you have like something that is a, a simulation view where things actually are running and a design view where things can be changed. Um, and, you mm. know, you can add more nodes to it or, or, um, you know, create a link between nodes, but that was only possible while the thing was not running. And when it was running, you could not add anything or change anything. So it was clearly, okay, so this is not running. You can change things and this is running. You cannot change anything, right? Right. You have um, two views, but you can only use one screen at a time. Yeah. So, so that was a, a big, uh, a big thing for users that they really looked at other uh, uh, friends in the market, right? Uh, where they had like a more fresh and more modern approach to how right. they use thing, uh, do things. Um, yeah. Another big differentiator there was that even if you did not do anything at all, like you did not spin up any single VM, if you just installed Viral uh, and you got it installed and you got it running, which sometimes could be a challenge because there were a lot of dependencies and a lot of things that need to be done and changed. And, you know, during installation, it reconfigured itself entirely. And that took a long time. And um, you had to have, uh, you know, in the beginning, it had five distinct network interfaces and then it came down to three yep. distinct network interfaces but yeah that was an entire i'm having story ptsd altogether. as you're as you're talking about this remembering <laughs> all the things i had to <laughs> yeah. go through so I, one. saying flat or snat or something is probably you know making uh, <laughs> you cringe <laughs> yep. I, I remember all this very well it was it was not an easy thing to get up and running uh, just knowing where how to map everything and okay, I've got five internet, I've got five network interfaces. Where do they need to go? <laughs> yeah, and if you screwed that up, right, like you know, assigned the wrong VLANs or had them in the same uh, broadcast domain, or uh, oh, forget yeah, it. then yeah, good luck, right? Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, so so where I was getting with this is that even if you are, if you had installed it and uh, brought it up successfully, by by. By just running, it would typically eat six to seven gigs of memory by doing nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. OpenStack and, and and all the components in OpenStack and Neutron and Nova and whatever the components are, I almost forgot, right? Um, 
they were eating a lot of memory, right? A lot of databases were running, a lot of things were happening without even anything happening, like for the actual thing that you that you want to do it, namely network simulation. Uh, it was using a lot of memory and CPU. And, and the problem with this is that it's not only using a lot of memory, but you also at the same time have a lot of complexity in that system by having all these components, which you know can go wrong in all certain in in in, in all different places and in a multitude of ways. Um, so uh, that was part of the reason why we said, okay, we definitely want to get rid of OpenStack. We definitely want to have something that is more lightweight that talks directly to the hypervisor. Um, underneath and where we are in charge and where we have much more control um, of what is going on. And, and, and that's, you know, that, that clearly shows with the new system. Uh, if, like what we built internally is a, uh, like the entire software is a six, or I guess at the moment it's 70 megabyte, 70 megabyte RPM. That's seven zero megabyte RPM, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that goes on top of a CentOS operating system like a baseline operating system, which is a minimal install, um, which results then as uh, in a, uh, I think it's roughly 700 or 680 or something megabytes OVA. And that includes the RPM, obviously. And then, of course, whatever you need in terms of libraries and kernel and whatnot, right, in, in that in that base operating system. Installing that thing, uh, you mentioned that before, uh, that was something that we wanted to ensure that it's kind of streamlined and, you know, click or not, it's not click, it's it's more like hit return, hit return, enter some password, etc. And within a couple of minutes, you're up and running. And when you're up and running, the system uh, uses, I would say, roughly, again, seven, six, seven hundred, eight hundred megabytes of memory for what it needs to do, like, you know, base operating system, eat some memory, the Python processes or eat some memory. Um, but you get a lot more memory back uh, if you compare this to Viral 1. And then all you need to do is you point your web browser to the thing and uh, off you go, right? So it's not that you need to install any client software if you don't want to. Um, it's not that you, uh, you know, need to take care of a complicated uh, networking setup on your hypervisor or like ESXi if you run such a thing, uh, or even on, on VMware Fusion or something. Um, it's just using the usually the, the built-in base network setup that Fusion or Workstation brings. Um, and, and another important thing that we wanted to ensure here is that we want to have a system that is much more secure and um, and you know hardened. So we have uh, a certificate installed. Everything is encrypted. Everything is authenticated. Um, we have uh, SE Linux turned on. Um, we have no ports open that are not necessarily for operation. And because we run pretty much everything over TLS, right? There, there is only one port that's technically needed to run the entire system, which is TCP 443. You can enable a terminal server on port 22. I think that's that's actually enabled by default. So that's SSH, right? So you can SSH into the box and get to this terminal server. But there is no clear text telnet on a bazillion ports to talk directly, like that gets you directly unauthenticated to a console of a device that runs inside of a simulation. And, and I know this, uh, you know, this has been... Uh, something that we learned the hard way. If you if you work inside Cisco, they run their scanners all over the place. And if you have some box running that has a Cisco Cisco username, and if that gets you to a root prompt, you get dinged pretty fast, right? So right. Um, 
you want to have such a box, and I guess that's true for not even for personal, uh, uh, even for for personal users, but for sure in some corporate environment, you want to ensure that if you have such a thing like a, a, a network, a demo network, or some playground or something that you run inside of a network simulation environment, you better make sure that this thing is only accessible to you and that this thing is secure. Because usually, you like you have maybe access to consoles, maybe access to a box where, you know, you have like a, a simple password on there and so on and so forth. And, you know, as I said, we do everything encrypted, everything authenticated. It's, it's uh, you can really strip it down to a single port, TCP 403 to run the entire show um, and still can do things like uh, a native, uh, you know, secure CRT or iTerm or whatever your favorite uh, terminal emulation application is uh, and run that locally and talk directly to those uh, console ports or VNC consoles or whatever in, in such a network simulation. So, yeah, that was, you know, some of the things that we really wanted to improve and, and dramatically change from uh version 1.x. One other thing I want to ask you, Ralph, in, in terms of differences between 1.x and 2.0, uh, in terms of uh, re- regarding licensing, right? I, I remember with the old setup, it was, uh, I had to talk to some salt servers. And I remember for my implementation, trying to get them to talk to the internal SART, salt uh, servers was quite a task in itself. Um, We've simplified that greatly now with uh, 2.x, uh, 2.0 release. Uh, can you, do you want to elaborate on that more? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I almost forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't let you. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that, that was another big pain point in the past. Um, and um, the reason it was so painful is we were using, or still are, uh, using SALT, as a system administration, system management tool to do licensing. And what that means is that um, each viral installation is basically a a salt minion and it talks to a salt master. And uh, by talking to the salt salt master, it shows it, uh, it's not a certificate, it's 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 an RSA key. And that RSA key needs to be known on the other end, like on the master. And by showing you or showing the master an RSA key that is the master knows basically is the licensing, right? Now, SALT was never designed to be a licensing tool. Um, and um, that also shows in the way that they do their communication, which is not very proxy friendly, right? So they have like two TCP ports on 4505 and 4506 that need to be open to have that communication going back and forth. It's not easy to proxy. It uses two ports. Um, you know, a lot of the, uh, you, a lot of users they were complaining about like I cannot get this through my firewall, and you know they do, they do not want to open up those ports, and you know it's so odd, la la la. Um, and and yeah, as I said, it, it, it's kind of it it was an odd way to do licensing. Now mm-hmm. with 2.0, um, there was not much choice right (laughs) the mandate here is (laughs) the mandate is you can't really take credit for this one then i guess (laughs) well we we honestly we looked into different things uh because again smart licensing is the only choice we have right because it's it's as i said mandated Uh, so cisco mandates the use of smart licensing for all of these things but in the very beginning when we started to look at this thing um 
we had to realize that smart licensing at that point in time was not really designed to do something like what we do, where you have a piece of software and that is being sold to uh, users with a credit card and that do not those users do not have a smart account where you can provision a license into. Um, and there is like plenty of those. And so it's not like you have like a Verizon or like, you know, some big, a customer who for sure has a, a smart account where you can say, oh, here's your here's your license, right? You know, create a token on it. You you, you know how to do this because you have dealt with this like for years, right? Um, so so in this case, this was a bit of new territory, and um, and we had a lot of calls with the smart licensing team to figure out how this could actually be done for a product like Viral without throwing usability overboard you know like you don't want to install the thing in five minutes and then are forced to go through a elaborate registration process with cisco corporate and um (laughs) you know create your own (laughs) smart account and then wait for the license to be dropped and (laughs) etc etc so that so that could have gone wrong in 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 various ways uh but i think we solved it right now so um so that that's all good and i think the licensing experience and and you can tell me if it, if it if it sucks, right? But I think it's it, it's pretty okay. Like it's you know I've seen products where it's like easier, um, right. but I've also seen products where it's worse. And we've definitely come a long way from using salt. Uh, RSA it is keys. a lot better than salt. Yeah, no, I, I I can I can definitely tell you it's, it's a lot better than salt. Obviously, I ran into some troubles, and and you helped me out there with trying to license it before it became uh, before it became uh, publicly available. Uh, you know, trying to talk to our internal server and, and whatnot. But uh, once I had uh, a legitimate key that was able to be recognized by the um, the public smart server, then it, it went right through. It was, you know, seamless. A couple minutes and I was done. Hmm. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. So, Ralph, we've been kind of going back and forth between CML um, Enterprise and CML Personal. Right now, as of uh, this time of this recording, April 16th, the uh, the enterprise version was released, as you said, about two days ago. Correct. That's available today for customers that want the enterprise version. But for those that want to do the uh, the personal uh, edition that want to pay, I think it's like the $200 a year on their credit card, um, when is that uh, becoming available and how would they, would they still go about purchasing it the same way they've they've purchased Viral Personal this whole time? Yeah, that is correct. So um, I think the date is, and, and you know, I have to look it up, but I think it's the 12th of May. That's what has been communicated um, for the personal edition to be released. Um, and uh, the pricing model and the way it's being purchased and uh, and what is being licensed in terms of how many nodes you get, nothing has changed between Wawel1.x and Wawel2.0. Um, that said, the product manager is uh, is looking into different go-to markets or like, you know, different ways to slice and dice the product because I think we all came to an agreement that there is, there is a lot of space in between the, the personal edition and the enterprise edition you know, one is uh, being perceived as cannot do enough 
and one is being perceived as way too expensive. But in the middle, there is you know a lot of space for creative product offerings. Um, so where we can have you know different ways for people who say, okay, you know, I, I need to have maybe some sort of a uh, professional version or you know some way of making certain features available or certain features to be part of a certain edition or something like it. So, so I'm not a product manager, like just to be perfectly clear. Um, I'm, I work on the technical side of things. Um, so, so I, I cannot really speak for what's coming, but, but, you know, the good news here is really that um, we are looking into these things. And I think, you know, just to, for a business continuity point of, from a business continuity point of view, we have, taken what we had before with Waro One and moved that to a new code base, new software is being available right now. The licensing hasn't changed, the pricing hasn't changed, or licensing as a technology has changed, but the, the way it's being licensed hasn't changed. The technology has tremendously changed. Um, and now we're looking forward into what can we do from the product offering side as well, which which I think is the right thing to do and, and is also going to be very exciting if we can combine this with new exciting features and uh you know, really address what the market needs here. No, it's it sounds very exciting. In terms of resources, where can people go to learn more about the product? I know that David uh, Bomble, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Bomble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I, I know you guys have been working with him and he's put out a couple of videos on setting up and, and, and messing around with Viral2 that are, I think, really informative and helpful. Um, but any other uh, rec- resources that you can recommend that we can so, uh, link here in the show notes? Like official resources? The official resources is like you go uh, cisco.com go, slash go slash CML. That takes you to mm-hmm. the product launch page. Uh, and that should have the you know publicly available data sheets and uh, user guides and, and, and all the documentation and you know uh, ordering guides and whatnot. I'm not entirely sure if that also is the go-to page for CM uh, for CML personal, uh, because as okay. I said, that hasn't been released yet. So there might be still some changes in the making. Um, but then there's also a, a landing page on DevNet, which I probably will send you the link to if you cannot find that yourself. I mean, there was there was already something like a, a landing page in the, on the DevNet side. So uh, what is that? Uh, Developer.cisco.com. Um, and um, so that should also have a lot of the information about the product going forward uh, because we we want to have the documentation as, as viral itself is kind of a, a tool that helps people to learn, study, um, and also on their journey for programmability. Um, and since the viral team is now, again, part of the uh, Susie Wee's organization, right? So it's not called DevNet anymore. It's called DevCX now. <laughs> um, mm. And um, so so we thought that this is a way better place for having things than the traditional Cisco documentation, uh, which, you know, uh, we don't want to have 500 pages of PDF to meticulously document every screen and every screenshot and whatnot. So like it's, it's more, it should be more like a living documentation. So DevNet, is the right place for the product documentation. And uh, as I said, the shortcut for getting to the landing page is uh, cisco.com forward slash go forward slash CML. Perfect. We'll be sure to link those resources on the show notes for this episode. 
And Ralph, where can our listeners go to connect with you um, and kind of uh, uh, interact with you on a, in a virtual sense? Oh, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Um, my Twitter ID is kind of very boring. It's uh, my Cisco user ID. <laughs> so R-S-C-H-M-I-E-D underscore C-S-C-O. Very good. We'll be sure to link that in the show notes as well. Ralph, this has been great. Thank you again so much for your time today and uh, stay safe out there. Yeah, same to you. And thanks for having me. Really was a pleasure. All right, Brian, what did you uh, what did you think about all that? Yeah, this was a really great episode, I think. I uh, really appreciate Ralph jumping on. Uh, he had great energy and it's always good to hear from someone who has a, a lot of experience in the industry. And um, yeah. CML sounds fantastic. You know, I like that there's options for larger enterprises and there's options for just a dude who wants to study for maybe a CCNA and uh, has VMware Fusion on his laptop. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, I don't think I mentioned this to you. I'll, I'll, I'll call him out now, out of the blue a little bit here, but I, I did get a, a message from a gentleman uh, by the name of, we'll just call him Justin, uh, who reached out. I guess he stumbled upon the podcast, and he's actually, um, he's actually a networking slash CCNA student right now. And he found uh, he found our podcast extremely helpful for that. And I hope that he's going to I actually told him, I said, listen, you're going to love this next episode that comes out because it's all about how to do this. Right. Uh, Being able to model a bunch of different networks together and learn things like OSPF, spanning tree, um, (laughs) all those all those different things that you hear about that maybe make you scratch your head. Um, This is really going to give you the ability to kind of build your own sandbox and play with it, break it without messing up your network my uh i've always had a thing with my wife that it's like every time there's something wrong with the internet she thinks i'm doing something which maybe she's true nine times out of ten but not all the time um we actually my network is called tank net and then i actually had a, a separate access point that i'd never touched that was just running all the time and i told her i said listen if you can't get online on tank net go to tank failed and that was the ssid for uh for, for that network so i didn't touch that and if it, if you couldn't get on the regular network, go there. That means I screwed something up, and you should be able to get online. Uh, I've I've last never I haven't had to do that anymore. I've gotten a little bit better, but um, that was how we uh, we first started setting it up. Especially when I first started working at Cisco, it just started blowing things up left and right on my network. So, but yeah, this is a way to do that without pissing off your wife or kids, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone's got to use the internet right now. Um, this gives you the opportunity to work on different things without breaking the your network. So, yeah, no, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Brian, any uh, any final thoughts uh, before we wrap things up for this one? Nothing for me. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brian, for joining us. And thank you for listening to ConfT with your SE. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, a topic you'd like to suggest, please send us an, e- please send us an email at hello. <laughs> well, now you messed it up because you laughed. Thanks. <laughs> well, stop being so funny then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, funny. That's it. You're just laughing at me, not with me. <laughs> please send us an email at hello at conft.show and if you like the show please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues and giving us a rating on itunes or your favorite podcast app and if you're not already subscribed go ahead hit that subscribe button so you can get notified when we publish an episode every two weeks show notes for this episode can be found on our website at conft.show that's c-o-n-f-t dot s-h-o-w as always stay safe out there wash your hands and don't forget to save that config <laughs>